Desmond Ritter may struggle when he throws against man coverage, but one way he can solve that problem is by running against it. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And we thank everyone that makes this illustrious podcast their first listen each and every day. Shout out to the everydayers out there that subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to the podcast. Follow in their footsteps so that you can get the latest episode as soon as it's available. So today's episode, we are continuing Locked On Desmond Ritter Week after several weeks of Locked On B. John Robinson here on the Locked On Falcons podcast. And a lot of what we're going to be talking about on today's episode, as well as subsequent episodes this week, piggyback on some of the comments that Matt Waldman, our guest on yesterday's episode, made about Desmond Ritter discussing some of his weaknesses, potentially primarily being his inability to uh, process and or read leverage when he's facing man coverage. And I apologize for some of you guys that missed that episode on your morning commutes on Monday because I forgot to upload it uh, Sunday evening. Uh, but hopefully you guys will go back and listen to that episode uh, as that will inform a lot of the things that we discuss on today's episode and in the coming days on this podcast. So piggybacking on off of that and, and going back and, and watching some film, as well as doing some looking up some data to discover, you know, if, if what Matt Walden was saying about Desmond Ritter struggling against man coverage is true. And, you know, we don't have a complete data set, but I was able to piece together enough data from sources like Pro Football Focus and Sports Info Solutions, uh, you know, to draw two general conclusions that tend to underline similar to what, uh, what Matt Walden was saying, um, which was the conclusions were, that Marcus Mariota was generally pretty good against man coverage and generally mediocre against zone coverage last year. And Desmond Ritter was generally mediocre against man coverage or below mediocre against man coverage uh, and generally pretty good against zone coverage. And hopefully later this summer, we'll get the exact info and how those guys break down. And we can tell you exactly what very good versus pretty good versus mediocre versus below mediocre actually mean when it ranks against other quarterbacks across the, the NFL. But for the time being, I think there is something to what Matt Waldman was saying um, that even though watching the film, I didn't think it was a major issue for Desmond Ritter. It at least the, the data and the, and the stats seemed to back up that it was somewhat of an issue for him. And so that is something that I do think Desmond Ritter is going to have to improve upon. And generally speaking, piggybacking again off something that Matt Waldman said is that when you look at the top passing offenses in the league and the top quarterbacks in the league, they tend to do very well against man coverage. Like there is a clearly based off of some of the data I've seen, there's a clear split between the upper half quarterbacks in the league, the top 10 to 15 quarterbacks in the league. When you look at how effective they are against man coverage versus the lower half of the league quarterbacks when it comes to man coverage. And I think for the time being like Mariota was kind of in the middle, right. And Desmond Ritter was in the lower half of the league. And, you know, one of the things I did in doing all this research uh, before today's episode was, 
you know, looking up like Trevor Lawrence, because I saw one site, Sports Info Solutions, saying that the Jaguars had the highest uh, expected points added last year against man coverage last year. And I know that that was something that Trevor Lawrence struggled with in his rookie season. And you saw a big year one, the year two jump for Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars against man coverage, passing against man coverage. And I think that was probably a catalyst for the Jaguars overall improvement. And so therefore, I think there's, you know, a point that if we can see significant growth for Desmond Ritter, that will mean significant growth for this offense moving forward. And I picked the Jaguars out because I distinctly remember going back and charting those matchups against Trevor Lawrence in 2021 when he was a rookie, as well as Gardner Minshew when he was a rookie back in 2019, and noticing how poorly those guys were and how ineffective they were throwing against the Falcons' man coverage in those games. And there's a lot of reasons for that, the tighter windows, all that sort of stuff. And that's where Matt Waldman's point about being able to reach, read leverage, make good, accurate throws against man coverage is important in this league. So we'll, we'll see how Desmond Ritter progresses you know, in the future uh, on, on um, against man coverage and the rest of today and, and potentially later this week, we'll, we'll dive deeper into how the different skill position players can help Desmond Ritter get better in man coverage. I think probably tomorrow we'll talk quite a bit about the wide receivers focusing primarily on Drake London and how the receivers can help improve that aspect of Ritter's game. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about uh, J.J. Arthega Whiteside signing on this podcast. Uh, you know, there's no reason, in my opinion, to put any note on that move more any more than we put on the Falcons bringing in Penny Hart or Slade Bolden or even, you know, the idea of Frank Darby having a breakout season, right? You know, we're not going to be pushing, you know, J.J. Arthega Whiteside propaganda here on Lockdown Falcons. If you come across somebody else who's pushing that propaganda, you have my permission to unfollow them on Twitter. Or if you meet them in the wild, you know, say walking their dog, you have my permission to kick their dog. No, of course, I'm not promoting animal abuse. Just punch them in the face. Human abuse we do uh, promote here on Lockdown Falcons. And some of you are like, what? what is Aaron talking about? Now you're paying attention. Now I have your attention. But <laughs> we we are not going to be basically the point. I'm just, I'm just saying wild stuff just to get your attention back. Maybe some of you guys are zoning out as you're listening to the podcast. But we do not on Lockdown Falcons promote uh, overhyping big wide receivers that can't separate. We already have Mac Hollins on the team, so we're not going to spend any time promoting a second big wide receiver like J.J. Arthago Whiteside who who cannot separate uh, in this. But we will pour one out for Bernie Sanders, aka Jared Bernhardt, who apparently decided that he was done with playing football. Um, and retired, and that prompted the Falcons to bring in J.J. Arthega Whiteside. Uh, I do like saying his name, Arthega uh, Whiteside. But, um, you know, this is another opportunity to go, is this the week that the Falcons trade for Corey Davis? Probably not, but, you know, we'll continue to push that propaganda here on the Locked on Falcons podcast. But for the rest of the week, we will dive deeper into how the various assets um, – will help Desmond Ritter in, uh, in in beating man coverage. But today, I think we're going to focus primarily on, you know, if Desmond Ritter doesn't show the progress in man coverage, one way that he can hurt teams when they do decide to deploy man coverage against them is by running more. And that's what we're going to get into as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. But first, guys, I want to tell you to make a fast break to FanDuel. For this year's NBA playoffs, of course, the conference finals in the playoffs for both the East and West are going on and potentially ending very soon, uh, depending on where you stand. And, you know, depending on where you stand, you might want to head on over to FanDuel. 
And when you do, make sure you check out a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means you get bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win up to $1,000. And you can bet on, you know, the results of the uh, conference finals. Uh, you can bet for some improbable comebacks from Boston or LA, or you can bet on the NBA draft, or if you're not necessarily into the NBA playoffs, of course, Major League Baseball, the NFL props are out there at FanDuel. And of course, take advantage of this by heading over to FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So uh, based off of the data I could find, uh, there wasn't a major difference from what I could gather in the percentage of man coverage versus zone coverage that Marcus Mariota saw in his 13 starts versus what Desmond Ritter saw in his uh, four starts. You know, Sports Info Solutions give it a 64-18 zone to man split, and that leaves about 18% of the plays uncategorized, which goes back to what I was saying earlier, why we have incomplete data set from what I could find. There's like 18% of plays that you know, don't fall under the category of man versus zone by, you know, SIS or, or PFFs uh, data. And so I don't know how to factor that. And without me sitting here, spending the time to go ch charting it myself, you know, I'm not necessarily going to do that. But, um, you know, it goes back to something I believe Matt said on the podcast yesterday and, and certainly said previously on the podcast, which is how NFL defenses and NFL teams don't really know how to game plan against, you know, unproven quarterbacks in their first few starts. And so I imagine what that means as it applies to the Falcons is that basically for Ritter's first four starts, that teams basically game planned against the Falcons the same way that they had been game planning against Marcus Mariota. But I wonder if that's going to change as Ritter gets more opportunities in 2023, as uh, Matt suggested, I can't remember exactly as I said, like four to six games before teams make the adjustment. Uh, so that should be reasonably early in this upcoming season. And one of the things that I'll be curious to see if the how teams change against Ritter is by playing more man coverage against him because those teams are less afraid of Desmond Ritter using his legs as they were of Marcus Mariota using his legs. And that's one of the things that, you know, can often determine the general outline of a team's defensive game plan based off of the quarterback of whether they use a lot of man or whether they use a lot of zone is quarterback mobility, not just who you know, the caliber of receivers that the team is facing. But, you know, with a mobile quarterback, teams tend to favor zone coverages uh, in those situations because it gets more eyes on the quarterback in the event that he decides to tuck it and run versus man coverage, where when your defensive backs are really focused on, you know, chasing receivers around, uh, you know, their back winds up being turned to the quarterback. And so, if that quarterback breaks outside the pocket, there's really nobody other than maybe a single high safety that's 25 yards on the field that can really stop him unless a team has real a lot of confidence in their ability to spy that mobile quarterback, often with a linebacker. And, you know, that can work in your favor or against your favor. I, I often recall, uh, you know, using this as an example back in the day for my pro Keanu Neal and, and anti Deion Jones propaganda here on this podcast. But back in 2017, I recall that Buffalo Bills game where the Falcons for like the first three quarters of the game 
tried to spy Tyrod Taylor with Deion Jones and Deion Jones did not do a great job doing it. And there was a number of key third downs that the bills were able to extend drives because of Tyrod Taylor's legs, uh, because Deion Jones was not an effective spy in that game. And then midway through uh, the second half, the Falcons made the adjustment of saying, okay, Keanu Neal, you're going to spy Tyrod Taylor and Tyrod Taylor's legs were no longer a factor in the game. And and that's why I continue to pound the table that Keanu Neal is one of the most underappreciated Falcons uh, of the last decade here uh, on this podcast, but that is a topic for a separate day, but I digress, right? Um, You know, I think defenses were a lot more aware of Mariota's running ability and potential to run than they probably will be of Ritter. And we've discussed this before many times since we drafted Desmond Ritter, that while Desmond Ritter is a great athlete, is he a really great runner? Right. And the way I likened him when I evaluated him coming out of Cincinnati and, and based off of what little, evidence we've seen so far this year i still tend to liken desmond ritter's running to that of a daniel jones which is a good runner but not necessarily a guy that's gonna make you change how you game plan against him right and that was i think a big part of why daniel jones and the giants had much success in 2022 is because they were much more willing to let jones run this year than they had been in previous years right and you look at the numbers daniel jones had roughly the same amount of rushing attempts in 2022 as he had in 2020 and 2021 combined. And what one of the things, a notable stat that stood out this past year was when Daniel Jones had 10 or more rushing attempts in a game this past year, the giants were six Oh and one this year. Right. And, you know, I think if you look at Marcus Mariota's running that it was much more, you know, in terms of like average, average attempts, rushing attempts per game was much more in line with what Daniel Jones did this past year. Like Daniel Jones, had, I think had 122 rushing attempts this year. And if Mariota was on pace, if he had finished the season to have like 110 rushing attempts. But meanwhile, if you look at Desmond Ritter's rushing attempts per game, it was much more in line with what Daniel Jones was doing in 2020 and 2021. And I, in fact, I think it was actually lower than those numbers, although some of that is owed to some of Mariota's rushing attempts being categorized as sacks because he got tackled behind the line of scrimmage, which again goes back to the point of is he really uh, as dynamic a runner as a player with his athleticism, uh, you know, should be. So part of me wonders if we'll see Ritter run more this year. And, you know, if and when that happens, you know, that will force defenses that are playing man coverage as a way to say, oh, this guy struggles to make, you know, make the throws in man coverage to think again about that because he's going to gash them as a runner, right? When those DBs turn their back to the quarterback, right? Ritter can hurt them in those situations where if his initial read is not open, say Drake London or Kyle Pitts in those situations, right? then he'll just basically decide, you know what, rather than going to my third option or checking the ball down on this third down or whatever it is, I can tuck it and run and get, you know, the seven, eight yards that I need to in order to, you know, move the chains and keep the chains moving. And, you know, obviously there's a pro and con to that type of strategy. The pro being that, you know, Ritter is a much more effective passer or, or the Falcons offense, let's say, is a much more effective unit on those, critical downs because the legs are replacing the yards that are not being utilized in the air. Right. And he's making, he's changing how defenses are playing them. They're getting positive results on the ground with Ritter's legs, as opposed to his arm. Obviously the cons are if you increase the amount of runs that he has, you know, there's the potential that you increase the chances of him getting hit. And even though, you know, Desmond Ritter is much thicker this year uh, than he (laughs) 
has been in past years, you know, you do worry about the potential for injury. And, you know, I, I think we can probably overblow how big an issue quarterback running is to increasing the chances of them getting hurt. Um, you know, I would probably guess i wouldn't bet i would guess that you know probably the vast majority of quarterback injuries do occur in the pocket as opposed to outside the pocket but even if running you know increases the chances that ritter hurts gets hurt four percent which is not a significant increase you know it's still not a good thing to increase your chances of injury of suffering an injury uh, at the most important position on the football field by four percent right uh that's four percent too much right so um, you know, I think because the Falcons have a competent backup in Taylor Heineke, it's, it, you know, Ritter getting hurt is not going to be catastrophic for their season, but it is going to be catastrophic for one particular reason, because it throws a wrench into what the whole point of this 2023 season is, which is to eventually evaluate Desmond Ritter and, and to find out if he is your quarterback of the foreseeable future. And we'll wrap up today's Locked on Falcons talking more about the whole point of this and, and where the Falcons are in their rebuild uh, on today's episode. But for my everydayers that are tuned in to Locked on Falcons on YouTube and wherever else they listen to podcasts, uh, as I said earlier, I, I, my plan is to talk extensively about Drake London in the wide receiver room and, you know, Potentially, you know, we'll get more into the Corey Davis uh, aspect and the Falcons need to upgrade that number two wide receiver and whether or not a player like Mac Hollins or Scotty Miller can really, you know, uh, help out in that position on tomorrow's episode. So make sure you continue to make Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So, um, you know, this has been a frustration for me the last couple of months because I, I feel like a lot of Falcon fans don't get it right when in terms of the big picture situation with this football team right and for example like i know a lot of falcon fans have negative association with the marcus mariota experience the mariota coaster and i to a certain extent i understand why but i, I think those people are caught up in the weeds and not necessarily seeing the big picture because the whole point of marcus mariota was to be a bridge to desmond ritter and while i know the mariota stands pushed back heavily against that during the summer uh, I have the comments that, as proof. Um, I always assumed at that time that the Falcon fans that were not necessarily here, uh, you know, because of their love and joy for Marcus Mariota got that. But it's been clear to me that that's not been the case right now that we are in 2023, because I've noticed a lot of Falcon fans that haven't gotten this right. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that the Mariota experience was a positive experience, but he kind of did exactly what he was supposed to do. So I don't see it as a negative experience. And what he was supposed to be was a competent bridge to Desmond Ritter. Now, the one aspect that we did talk about last summer about what Marcus Mariota is hopefully adding is that he's going to give you a stable quarterback presence. That's going to help you evaluate your young weapons. And he didn't quite pull that off. You know, I, I, I do feel reasonably good about Drake London. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about that potentially on tomorrow's episode. And obviously we didn't quite see that with Kyle Pitts. It was kind of a wasted year for Kyle Pitts. So I can see the failure from that perspective as it applies to uh, Kyle Pitts. But, you know, in, in terms of anything else about Marcus Mariota, it's like, it's fine. So, and I, I bring that up because like, you, you got to understand the big picture, right? Like, it's like, okay, like the Mariota stuff, like you don't have to be thrilled about it, but it's like, I don't sit here and, and lose sleep over, you know, the three months of the Marcus Mariota was the Falcons starting quarterback. Cause to me it made sense 
that the Falcons needed a bridge option. And he was a perfectly functional bridge option that gave the Falcons league average quarterback play for, you know, relatively speaking, rock bottom prices. And I think when you look at the overall big picture of the last couple of seasons, you know, I think a lot of Falcon fans don't seem to get what's going on with this team that they're rebuilding. And, you know, those first two years was just them trying to be as competitive as they could while they were rebuilding, while they were in cap hell and just trying to accumulate assets, uh, you know, so as many foundational pieces as they could during that time with limited resources, basically just draft picks. Um, and, you know, while I was certainly very skeptical of how, the, how, how much they were succeeding in that mission after their first year in 2021, after 2022, I feel like they're, you know, they certainly accomplished that mission of, of being a competitive football team while accumulating a number of solid young assets to build around in the future as part of their rebuild. And that brings us to 2023, where I, I think, you know, it's really about evaluating whether or not the Falcons have a potential franchise quarterback. And I understand why people are skeptical over whether Desmond Ritter is going to be that guy. But like I sit here and I go like, we got to find that out. Right. And that's really the big mission of this upcoming season. And I know a lot of people sit here and go like, you, well, you, you know, it's the NFL. It's not for long. You can't devote a season to figuring out if you have a quarterback and by the end, it'll be too late. And I like, I don't think that's necessarily true. That's generally true in the NFL that stands for not for long. But if you are in the Falcon situation um, and you have ownership on board, then like, you know, I wouldn't say punting on a year, but, you know, basically <laughs> playing, you know, playing conservative on a, on a football season, I don't think is, is necessarily a bad plan, but I, I think this is the number one reason why I think a lot of people that cover the league as a whole are so baffled by the Falcons quote unquote settling for Desmond Ritter this year, because they look at it as this is year three of a, a coaching staff. And I, I saw a stat the other day that on average, the average lifespan of an NFL coach is 3.2 years. And so therefore they conclude, well, you got to figure it out by year three. And it's like, that's not the case in that. Like, yeah, sure. That's a general case in most teams, but I don't think that's the case here in Atlanta. I think this is really year two of Arthur Smith's tenure. And this is, you know, phase two of we're entering phase two of a three phase process. And the first two years were kind of phase one, which is what I'm talking about, where you're like, you know, just trying to, tread water, you know, uh, as you get out of your salary cap situation, phase two is like, okay, let's find out what we really have. And then phase three is let's put it all together, which in my opinion is going to be 2024 of like, now we have to be the fully formed version of the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, if Desmond Ritter shows the development that you're looking for, that Matt Waldman was discussing uh, that you're expecting to see from a young quarterback from say game five to game 15, we'll find that out this year. Right. And so, you know, I think that to me is 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 the key here. Right. Because I, I think the downfall of the two previous regimes here in Atlanta was that they were regimes that had early success and then thought, oh, this early success means that we're one or two pieces away from winning a Super Bowl. And then they made the moves that they thought were going to get them to the Super Bowl. And then they found out that they weren't as good as they thought they were, right? That they were closer to a 500 team than a perennial uh, Super Bowl contender. Um, and that ultimately led to those teams, you know, having some repercussions, falling short of making the playoffs, not just making the Super Bowl. And you know, Mike Smith got fired, Dan Quinn got fired for those reasons. And now I feel like this regime is basically 
you know, what those regimes failed to do was they failed to shore up the foundations of the team, O-line, the defense, et cetera. And I feel like this regime is, is shoring up those foundations, but like, you know, of course, everybody's focused on the quarterback and, and whatnot and, and being like, oh, you can't do it that way. And that's, that's fine. But like, for me, I'm like, I have no problem with a different regime going in a different direction and saying, let's shore up these foundational things so that even if we don't, if we, even if we fall short of our goals, we're not going to fall all the way to the point where we're going to, you know, be a bad football team or whatever, or being seven and nine is, is no longer, you know, is going to lead to us getting fired or whatever, but that's a whole complicated subject. So I will leave that aside. So um, again, I, I think it's, you know, they're entering phase two of a three phase, rebuild plan and so like to me a lot of the criticism that i've seen from especially fans and outside media people seems to be like why aren't they completed phase three yet and it's like because they're just beginning phase two but that that's just my personal opinion you know we're 15 remo months removed from beginning phase one of the rebuild plan so that's why it's, it hasn't proceeded at the pace that i think a lot of people want it to but all that to sit here and say <laughs> is the point is, like, this year is about figuring out Desmond Ritter, right? You know, I know a lot of people were hopeful that last year would have been about figuring out Desmond Ritter, but, you know, again, I, th I think we could certainly nitpick and say, you know, there were three more starts that Desmond Ritter should have made last year. But, you know, either either way, I, I don't know if we would have our answers sitting here today. We might have more answers, but we'd still wouldn't have a definitive answer and we'd still be trying to figure that out. I still think today. So I don't look back in hindsight as other people do and say like, Oh, we wasted last year or, or anything like that. So like, to me, it's fine that we still haven't figured that out yet. Basically is what I'm trying to get here. And the point is that if Desmond Ritter were to get hurt, that would derail that plan. Right. Because even if he only missed a couple of games, Right. Depending on the type of the injury and the severity of that injury, you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, can we properly evaluate, you know, the, the games that when he came back for because of this injury and that kind of derailed thing. So that's my main concern with Desmond Ritter running more is like, OK, you know, does this open up the potential of him injury? So it's it's kind of, a, you know, catch 22, whatever you want to call it. So my conclusion is I want to see Desmond Ritter run more, you know, especially if. NFL teams and defenses are, um, you know, enthusiastic about playing man coverage. You know, I feel like if that winds up being a legit weakness of Desmond Ritter's game and he's in that bottom half of the league uh, again, when it comes to attacking man coverage uh, rather than in the upper half of the league, which will tell us and be a strong indicator that Desmond Ritter is on a path to being one of the higher, you know, the upper level, let's say upper level top, 15 top 10 ish quarterbacks in the league you know i hope one of the ways that the falcons can mitigate that from a team standpoint even if it doesn't necessarily mean that desmond ritter is going to reach the ceiling that we're all hoping that he can reach and, and be this dak prescott type of starter um and i'm sure some of you guys you know are hoping for more than dak prescott um but you know i think him being able to run more is going to help um in those situations and an offset that issue so that the team is going to be more successful. Even if we learn through that process that Desmond Ritter is not the guy, right? It, I, I hope you're following in what I'm saying. So that to me is what I want to see more with Ritter running the football that I want to see Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter have that confidence and that trust to basically like, okay, 
primary London secondary pits, if it ain't there and, you know, it's not a third and short where a check down to Bijan, you know, is going to convert or something like that, then, you know, don't have a problem taking off running the ball and, and, and trying to get the first down with your legs or whatever. So um, that to me is going to be something to keep an eye on. This will be something that we'll continue to talk about throughout the summer, um, probably the rest of this week as well as we're locked on Desmond Ritter and throughout the season. So that will be something that we'll keep an eye on to see how effective Desmond Ritter is uh, against man coverage. Cause again, as I said earlier, that will be indicative that he is, you know, on his, on his way to being one of the, higher level quarterbacks in the league um, this upcoming season. But uh, that's basically it guys. You know, if, if Desmond Ritter's not going to be good against man coverage, the conclusion is, Hey, run the ball more. And that will offset some of those issues. Again, it doesn't solve the problem, but it will help offset some of those issues because it will make teams think, think twice about playing man coverage. Cause it's like, well, if we play man coverage against the Falcons, Desmond Ritter's going to run for 90 yards against us or, or something like that. Right. Um, and it's like, we don't want to do that. So let's play zone. And then that feeds into what is already been proven air quotes, proven to be Desmond Ritter's strength, which is he's very effective against zone. So we'll, we'll see how that works out for the Falcons this year. Uh, tomorrow's episode, we'll be talking more about how the wide receivers and, you know, whether Drake London can, you know, help Desmond Ritter, you know, be effective against band coverage by that rapport being strong between those two. And I think later in this week, we'll talk about Kyle Pitts and the tight end position and how those guys can help impact that as well. But that will be in store for tomorrow's episode, guys. Continue to make Locked on Falcons your first listen each and every day by subscribing on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, check out the Locked on NFL Scouting podcast, who recently did two episodes talking about the Atlanta Falcons, talking about the supporting cast they've built around Desmond Ritter, as well as some of the issues, some of the things they like about the team, some of the things they don't like about the team uh, that may or may not include Desmond Ritter. They talked about that last week on the pod. And of course, you can check out any of the other variety of shows that are here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We got you covered for NBA, NFL, NHL, uh, MLB, college sports, all that and more. I'm, I'm sure there's like a locked on golf or something like that that I don't listen to, but I'm sure some of you guys out there can find it. So uh, I'm sure locked on has even more shows than I'm completely oblivious to <laughs> that they've expanded to over the last couple of years. They're just subjects that are not in necessarily my wheelhouse. So I don't really pay attention to that stuff. So go check it out on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, all part of locked on podcast network guys, your team every day.